This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condice Presley. On our program today, we have an author, Jack Carr, and we're going to talk about the third book in his James Reese series. This book is called Savage Son, and it was released on Tuesday, April 14th. It's pretty clear many of us have a tremendous amount of time on our hands. What a great opportunity to pick up a book and read. Uh, This series of books has garnered great attention from big names like Chuck Norris, David Morrell, Brad Thor, Jocko Willick, Chris Pratt, and more. Chris Pratt even said, yeah, he's the actor Chris Pratt, that he would EP and star in a TV series based on Jack's books. That will be named after the first book in this three-book series thus far, The Terminal List. You guys should know that Jack spent 20 years as a Navy SEAL sniper, so he has followed that first rule of writing, write what you know. And Jack Carr, is a pleasure to welcome you to Perspectives. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Tell us a bit about this series. Right. So I got to go back a little earlier than just starting with the first book because they really start back when I was a kid growing up. My my mom was a librarian, so I grew up surrounded by books and always had this love of reading because she instilled that in us from day one, essentially. And I also knew that, that uh, I was going on, I was going to join the military one day. It was very clear from an early age because my hero growing up was my grandfather, who, uh, you know, he was killed in World War II. I grew up with uh, pictures of him and his squadron. He was a pilot, a Marine pilot, uh, his medals, uh, black and white photos of him, uh, the silk maps they gave Naval Avi- or Naval Air, any aviator back then. And so I knew I was going down that path. And I just didn't know exactly what I was going to do until I found out what SEALs were uh, very about at age seven. Um, and then at about age 10, I started reading the same things my parents were reading. So uh, for October came out right then. Uh, I was reading things by guys like David Morrell, Milton DeMille, AJ Cornell, JC Pollock, uh, Mark Olden, uh, Tom Clancy, all these guys in the 80s who had protagonists with backgrounds that I wanted to have in real life one day. And what I didn't realize back then is that they were really my early professors in the art of storytelling. And they really formed this foundation uh, from which I was going to build later. Uh, of course, I'm also studying the nonfiction stuff. I'm studying warfare, terrorism, insurgencies, counterinsurgencies to make sure when I got to special operations, I could be the best operator I possibly could be. And then after 20 years in the military with deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, I got to take the, that practical experience and more importantly, the emotions and the feelings behind certain events and apply those to a completely fictional narrative. So uh, these books have been in the works for a long time. And I always knew that when the uh, military time in my life was coming to an end, it would be time to move into publishing. So I started writing uh, about that last year that I was in the military and uh, then got it off to Simon & Schuster and Next thing you know, here we are today. Well, let me not continue without first thanking you for your service to our country and ask how are you and your loved ones doing during this unique time in our history? Yeah, so uh, my wife and three kids are here. They're quote unquote helping um, with the fourth book, which I'm in the middle of right now. But since I don't have that time when they're off at school during the day, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, we're all adapting. Here, so uh, we live up in Park City, Utah. Now we wanted to raise our kids in a ski town after we got out of the military. So uh, we're we're up in the mountains and uh, we're we're hunkering down like everybody else. And 
you know, thinking about everyone on the front lines uh, who can't hunker down, who have to go out there, uh, doctors and nurses, medical professionals, EMTs, uh, firefighters, police officers, who have to interact with people that have COVID-19. They don't have a choice. Um, so we're thinking about them all the time and trying to do a little good by donating to some some causes that uh, that help those people on the front lines. The Center for Disaster, Disaster uh, Philanthropy COVID-19 Response Fund in particular, uh, where 100% of the proceeds from all my merchandise on the site goes to, to them to help those frontline professionals. So we're just hunkered down and trying to, one, launch a book and in, uh, in a way that, that is appropriate during these hard times and trying to help out independent bookstores at the same time by pushing as much traffic there as I possibly can and, uh, and, and hunkering down and doing our part. So, um, yeah, everybody's doing it about as good as can be. So now who is this character, James Reese? So he's a Navy SEAL sniper, uh, which I was. Uh, who becomes an officer, which I did. Uh, and when the reader meets him in the first novel, in the terminal list, uh, he's at that stage in his time in uniform when he decided to get out and take care of his family, which is exactly where I was where I, when I started writing this novel. Uh, because when you're in, uh, especially when you're in a leadership position, you have to be solely focused on the task at hand. That's what you owe the guys under your command. That's what you owe their families. Uh, that's what you owe the mission and the country, really. So when I got back from that last deployment, then the pendulum started to swing back the other way. I wasn't going to take guys downrange anymore. I dropped my papers to get out of the military, and uh, it was time to take a breath and focus on that transition and on writing. Um, so my protagonist has a background similar to mine, uh, which allowed me then to explore those feelings and emotions that happened in real life and apply them to a fictional narrative. Um, but it also let me humanize him, which is uh, something I wanted. I wanted a likable character. I wanted someone you would want to sit down and have a beer with, hang out with, uh, but who also had the training and the experience to get the job done when it came to it. So for that first one, I knew that I wanted to write a book about revenge because that is a theme that I think resonates with people uh, for a lot of reasons, but it's a theme that spoke to me because I gravitated towards books with that theme growing up. I gravitated towards movies with that theme growing up. Uh, So that's what I wanted to explore in the first one, really revenge without constraint. And then in the second one, True Believer, I wanted to continue that journey, which Joseph Campbell uh, calls the hero's journey. I wanted to continue that into a story of redemption, uh, where the hero has to learn to live again, has to find that next purpose and mission in life. Uh, and I call it a, it's a story of violent redemption in, in True Believer. And that gets the characters to a place where I could finally explore what's in this third novel, Savage Son, which is exploring the dark side of man through the hunter-hunted dynamic. And Savage Sun is actually the book I wanted to write first, but I knew the characters weren't developed to a point where I could do that, where I could do that story justice. Uh, and I wanted to write this one ever since the sixth grade when I read The Most Dangerous Game by Richard Connell. Uh, for those who remember that, it's, it's still taught. My daughter uh, just read it recently in school, but it, uh, it's a 1924 short story. You can read it in about an hour, but that's what it explores, that hunter-hunted dynamic. And I remember in sixth grade just loving it so much and just saying even back then that one day I would write a thriller that paid tribute to that short story. And uh, knew I couldn't do it right out of the gate, knew I had to come out swing in with the terminal list first and get those characters to that right place where I could really do that story justice. And that's the one that, uh, that came out on April 14th, and that's just how it's done. Did you write while you were in service? How did you keep that fire going until the point at which you could actually sit down and begin to push forward these stories? Right. So I've, I've always been a fan of the genre. So I've never stopped reading. I never stopped reading fiction. I never stopped enjoying 
fiction. I'm still reading the guys that uh, that I grew up with, like Nelson DeMille and David Morrell. Uh, and then along the way, I discovered Stephen Hunter uh, before I before I joined the military as well. Uh, and then Daniel Silva a little later on, and then uh, Vince Flynn, and then Brad Thor, and now Mark Graney. Uh, so all these guys that have really moved the genre forward uh, as far as thrillers go. And uh, being a fan and being a reader and having a love of reading and a love of these books uh, is really what laid that foundation. So I didn't, I didn't practice that part of it while I was in. Of course, I did a lot of professional writing while I was in. Um, and I kept reading these books. I kept studying the enemy because that's what I owed uh, the profession that I was in, the profession of arms. Um, so that technical study, that academic study uh, was really coupled with the study of the genre, studying fiction because I was, loved it and was immersed in it, not because I was doing it as part of a grand plan. It was just a natural path, which happens to have been a grand plan, but it was more natural than that. Um, it, I didn't do one because of the other. I did all of them because they were calling, which I think is, is different. Uh, I felt that call to serve and I feel that call to write. Uh, and I feel very fortunate that they have both um, uh, helped one, they have supplemented each other. Uh, Cause I learned a lot before I joined the military from the pages of fictional thrillers through the research that those authors were doing. Cause there was no internet back then. You couldn't just Google special operations or terrorism or Navy SEAL or whatever else. You had Newsweek, you had Time Magazine, you had your local paper, you had the New York Times, you had the Wall Street Journal, uh, and then you had books that maybe had a chapter or a paragraph or something written about special operations. You had a few that were focused specifically on terrorism, uh, and then you had fiction where those that research was woven into the storylines, and that was what I was attracted to. So, um, so I always knew that I was going to get out and do this one day, but uh, but I didn't do it while I was in. I was solely focused on being the best operator and the best leader that I possibly could. Uh, but once I got back from Iraq, then that started to change. Then I took a breath, looked around and uh, realized, hey, I'm not taking guys downrange anymore. It's time to take care of my family. And how am I gonna do that? I'm gonna do that by going all in on writing and, uh, and coming out of the gate swinging with the first novel, The Terminal List. So I gotta ask you, how old are your three kids? Uh, we have, you, you might be able to hear them on the other side of these doors here that I'm close to. Um, 14, 12 and nine. I have to think about it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, 14, 12, and nine, and uh, yeah, they're they're not the best helpers as far as it, uh, when it comes to not interrupting. It's like these doors close for my office, and it's like a magnet. They're all drawn right to these doors. The no doors worries, because no today problem. you're no, a typical no dad. Will. Yeah, everybody, every parent today is trying to do some work, have some privacy, and the kids are right there. They're not in school, so there's no worries about that. But 14, 12, and 9, so you were away and serving our country during a, a grand part of their childhood. Talk to me a little bit about that, that reconnection when you knew it was time for you to retire in 16 and that you came home for good. Yeah, so my kids were, were younger when I was in, which made it, I think, easier, um, at least uh, not on my wife, but on uh, on me and on the kids, because we frame things as, hey, dad's going on a short trip, which were the training trips, which usually last anywhere from a week to a month. And you're going places to do big desert warfare training, mountain warfare training, jungle warfare training, urban warfare training, close quarters combat, diving, jumping, all these things that uh, you need to do before you go downrange to get to this level of proficiency with you and your team that will allow you to be uh, the most effective and efficient force on the battlefield you possibly can. So we call those training trips the short trips, and then we say, Dad's going on a big trip, and that was the deployment, and that's the six-month to seven-month deployment. Uh, of course, Army would go for a year, and some guys went for 14 months, 15 months, 
Um, so, but in the military, my part of the military and the SEAL teams, it was typically six to seven months. Um, so I think them being younger, they were just more adaptable back then. I think it would be tougher to go downrange and leave for seven months uh, with a teenage daughter or with a 12-year-old son or even a nine-year-old. Um, but because they were younger, I think it was a little easier on all of us. Uh, not my wife, who's uh, the real hero in all of this, staying home and dealing with everything while my sole focus was uh, the team and the mission. Um, but then when I got back from that last deployment, I realized that that would be the last time I'd ever tactically maneuver guys on the battlefield again, because you get to a certain point and a, as an officer, you're really not leading from the front anymore. I mean, you're administratively leading, but you're back in the tactical operations center. You're not charging the enemy uh, from the front like uh, like you see in, in the movies, or at least movies that uh, uh, show things in the, the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. Um, it's just not that way today. So it was time to get out. It was time to focus on, on my family and take care of them. They needed me. And I figured it was a good 20-year run, but it was time to, that was it. That was, uh, it was very clear to me. Uh, I didn't agonize over the decision. It was just very clear that it was a good run, and now it was time to get out and move on and uh, follow that next calling and that next passion, which was writing. And I was very lucky that I didn't have to uh, find myself or find that next mission or search for it or go out and try something I thought that uh, I thought I wanted to do and then find out that it wasn't really what I thought and then try something else, which is how a lot of people go about eventually finding their path. Uh, I was lucky that I knew from a very early age exactly what I was going to do. And then I was very fortunate along the way to really not pay attention to the odds as far as field training goes or as far as going to combat goes or as far as um, getting a book published by a major publishing house goes. I just didn't focus or worry uh, about any of that. I focused all my bandwidth on first getting into the field teams and being the best operator I could. Uh, and then uh, making my books the best that they could possibly be. I didn't worry about the odds because that's wasted bandwidth. I needed to put all that energy and effort uh, into the novels themselves. So much so that superstars like Chris Pratt are ready to uh, portray your characters on television. Has he already optioned it? Are you guys still talking? Is that something that you can talk about? Yeah, if I can talk about uh, it up to a point because uh, certain news has broken already, so that's, I can talk about that. But he optioned it before it even hit shelf. And the crazy part of that is that as I was writing it, I thought about Chris Pratt playing the lead role. Uh, and I thought about him. He, he wasn't a typical choice when I was writing this. because I started writing this in uh, late 2014 into 2015 and 2016. Um, and he was playing a, a guy on Parks and Rec. Uh, he had a very small part in Zero Dark Thirty where he actually played a seal. But for some reason... Uh, I thought Chris Pratt would be perfect because he's not the typical choice. And I think he's at that stage where he needs to stretch and do something a little differently, something that's, that's grittier, that's darker, um, and that people don't expect from him. And this was before Guardians of the Galaxy, before Jurassic Park, before Passengers, uh, before any of that sort of thing. So it's an, it's, it's a, an odd choice for me to, to settle on, even back then. Uh, and I thought of Anton Kukla directing. Um, so I thought of those two, but I didn't give much other much thought other than that, uh, except for the fact that I wanted a likable person to play the lead role. And Chris Pratt's obviously very likable and uh, he's a fantastic guy. But to have it come full circle and to have him now option it, starring in it, and Anton Fuqua directing it um, is completely surreal. So 
Um, yeah. Other than that, I think everything else is uh, everything else is classified at this point, but it's looking good. But I'm still keeping my expectations low because in Hollywood, uh, things can derail at any given moment. So uh, I'll keep those expectations low. But as of right now, things are things are on track and looking good. That is great. And in case you're just joining us, we're talking to former Navy SEAL sniper Jack Carr. His third book in his James Reese series of stories, thrillers, in fact, is Savage Son. It was released Tuesday, April 14th. This is described as Jack's most visceral and heart-pounding thriller yet. That has to excite you when you see how people put words together to describe pseudo real life experiences that you've had that you've you fictionalized for the rest of us to enjoy it is it's, uh and that's i think why it resonated with simon and schuster who see thousands of these things across their desks each and every year um and i think that's why it resonated with them is because uh the, the feelings and emotions come from things that i did downrange. uh the story's complete fiction but the feelings behind it, eh, those are real. And I think that comes out on the page. It resonated with Simon and Schuster. It's resonating with readers. And I feel so fortunate uh, that that's the case. Um, but yeah, this third one is the, is the one that I really wanted to write my whole life. So I put uh, everything I possibly could into it. And, uh, and so far, people are, it's only been out for a day, but a few early copies get out there and people love it and think it's the best one yet. So um, it's very humbling. And also sets the bar high, though. So as soon as all this stuff is over, it's, it's right back into book four. And uh, we're working on that to get that out about this time next year. Well, Jack, you've talked about some of your inspirations and the folks that you've read all this time and really idolized, like David Morrell and Brad Thor, uh, Vince Flynn. Have you had opportunity to interact with those guys and have they read your books? And what kind of feedback do your idols give you on your work? Oh, it's amazing. So, you know, people say don't meet your heroes because uh, you'll be disappointed. And I have not found that to be the case, uh, particularly in publishing. Uh, Stephen Hunter, who wrote Point of Impact and has a Bob Lee Swagger series. Oh my gosh, he's just been fantastic. He blurbed my first novel right out of the gate. He loved it. He's been a huge inspiration to me my whole life. Uh, and now he's a friend. And then David Morrell, who created the character Rambo back in 1972 with First Blood. Uh, and then his another novel, his in the 80s, called The Brotherhood of the Rose was really the one that cemented me on my path, both into writing, because I was, it was such a great experience reading that novel. And then there's one sentence in there where he talks about SEALs. And I was already headed down that path, but it cemented it for me. And I said, you know, if the, uh, the guy that created Rambo and who is, has written this amazing trilogy that starts with Brotherhood of the Rose and then goes to Fraternity of, or, uh, Fraternity of the Stone and then the League of Night and Fog, if this guy is saying this about SEALs, I know I'm on the right path. Um, and now he's a friend too, and we talk, and and we've uh, we've had dinner together, and he's just an amazing guy, so smart. Uh, many people don't realize he's a, a PhD, um, and just a fascinating individual. So um, I feel extremely fortunate to call these guys friends now. And uh, Stephen Pressfield, although we haven't met in person yet, uh, we recently became acquainted and did a great hour-long Instagram live together. And he's been an inspiration. He, of course, wrote Gates of Fire and Legend of Bagger Vance and the Afghan Campaign and Virtues of War. And he has a series of books on creativity. Uh, one's called The War of Art. Another's called The Authentic Swing. Uh, they're called Turning Pro, Do the Work. And you can read them very quickly in like definitely two hours. Uh, but he talks about creativity in terms of sitting down and doing the work and not worrying about really anything else and fighting off resistance, which is really every distraction out there. Uh, and he's just an amazing guy. So I read those books and I had them insight 
of me at, uh, at my, like right next to my computer as I was writing. So I read them once and I kept them right there just so they were within eyesight. Uh, so I wouldn't forget. I wouldn't forget that it's all about doing the work. It's all about being a professional, sitting down and doing the work. And he said that uh, he was asked once about writer's block. And he said, you don't hear about a truck driver having trucker's block or a dentist having dentist block. You, you sit down, you're a professional, you're a writer, you write. And I love that. I just love that, uh, that sentiment. And so that's, I've always had that in the forefront of my mind as I sit down to do the work is that this is my job. I'm a professional. Uh, there's no such thing as writer's block. And uh, that's really paid dividends. What guidance or what words of wisdom do you have for our listeners today? Well, and it's not all of us. Some people can't hunker down and stay home. Some people have to go out there and be on the front lines of this thing. Uh, those doctors and, and nurses and medical professionals, EMTs, they all have to go out there and do this. They have to interact with people that have COVID-19. So what I would say is that we're learning a lot of lessons at all sorts of levels here. And at the individual level, uh, the familial level, it's important to take note. Uh, and by that, I mean, if you felt ill-prepared for the last couple of weeks and you feel ill-prepared going forward, well, make note of those things, and then when you get a chance, more importantly, take action on them. And that will do a few things. It'll free up bandwidth to focus on taking care of the problems at hand, adapting to the changing environment, adapting your business, uh, stepping up for your family, whatever it might be, uh, helping out your neighbor, uh, whatever that is, uh, you don't have to worry about those basics. And everyone's level of preparedness will be different. Uh, what they're comfortable with based on their experience and their background and their how many family members they have and where they live. Like all those things will be will be different. So I think this is a, a wake up call for a lot of people. And it's and it's an important time for our kids too. It's important that it can be very impactful for them to see how their parents deal with this. Uh, and they're gonna take lessons away from it. And hopefully if you handle it in a way in which if you weren't prepared for certain things, that you share that in a positive way with your kids and then make those changes and they can see that then they'll be more self-sufficient, self-reliant, and better citizens moving forward. So I think that will be a lot of the, the, one of the, one of the benefits that comes from this is that uh, we will get stronger as, uh, as individuals, as families, as communities, as uh, state governments and federal governments, and as a country going forward. Jack Carr, thank you so much for your time. Thank you again for your service to our country and looking forward to a little escapism from the reality that we're in right now uh, with Savage Son, the third in your James Reese series of novels available now. How do you connect with your readers uh, socially? You've got any social media handles you want to share with us? I do. So I'm at Jack Carr USA on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, but I'm a uh, I'm most active on Instagram and Twitter. The, the Facebook just reposts because there's so much going on. I had to I had to choose just two out of those three for people that want a little more of a deep dive into uh, maybe some of the gear that I've used in the past or that's used in the books or uh, I have a reading list that goes up every month where I choose six books off my actual reading list and I talk about them uh, in terms of when I read them, how they impacted me, either as a leader in the military or for what I'm doing now. Um, I talk about all that and what's Six of those go up uh, once a month. So that's officialjackcar.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there. And then I have a merchandise site that you can get to from that site as well. And 100% of those profits go to uh, Center for Disaster Philanthropy COVID-19 Response Fund. So trying to do a little, as much good as I can 
uh, during these tough times. Jack Carr has been a great having a conversation with you. Thank you so much. Congratulations on the book and can't wait to see the terminal list uh, with Chris Pratt. That's super exciting. Appreciate you again. Thanks for your service and thank you for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me on and uh, take care and stay safe out there. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me. 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condos Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another perspective.